This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 30, Kelsey Campbell. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, steps in for Jim and talks with 2012 U.S. Olympic hopeful and two-time NCAA national champion, Kelsey Campbell. You know, when I played other team sports, I had a team to rely on, and um, and it's a different type of a different type of role that you play in team sports. And um, and I think with wrestling, you know, I rely on my coaches a lot, my training partners a lot. But when the whistle blows, it's all me. And I think in life, you know, you you just learn to take responsibility and to own things. And I think. It's definitely shaped my character, like, just across the board. I've just learned to really take responsibility for who I am and the decisions I make because it translates directly into my wrestling. So I think it's, it's those are things that I could have only learned from wrestling um, versus the other sports that I did. Kelsey shares with us her decision to move from traditional high school women's athletics into wrestling and what she learned while being the only female on both her high school and college wrestling teams. She credits her family, training partners, and coaches for helping her get to the Olympics, but at the same time acknowledges how important it is that she take full responsibility for her performance on the mat. Kelsey, I want to start off by introducing you to our audience. Kelsey Campbell grew up in Milwaukee, Oregon, where she lettered in basketball, soccer, cross country, track and field, and dance before starting her wrestling career her senior year of high school. Kelsey went on to wrestle at Arizona State University, where she was the first and only woman on the team. While at ASU, she won two NCAA women's titles. Back in April, Kelsey faced top-seeded Helen Maroulis for a spot on the U.S. Olympic team. Kelsey had never beaten Helen, a three-time U.S. Open champion. Kelsey ended up defeating Helen in the first two matches of their best-of-three championship series. Now Kelsey is headed off to the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. Kelsey, thanks for joining me and the Responsible Sports listeners today. Awesome. Thank you. Kelsey, I'm wondering if you could just kick us off by telling our audience a little bit about how you got started in wrestling. Um, yeah, absolutely. I started wrestling when I was in high school. Um, I had some friends on the team, and I was a multi-sport athlete, and a couple of the guys just didn't think that I could handle wrestling, even though I'd done other sports. And and I said I could definitely handle wrestling. So it kind of became like a challenge to see if I could handle at least two weeks. And um, and so that's why I went out for the team. It wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have long-term dreams to wrestle. I was just trying to prove some guys wrong. So that's how I started. It was, it was a bet more or less. Pretty, pretty impressive how far that bet has come. Um, how did your, your wrestling experience in sort of those first two weeks compare to your previous experience competing in other sports? Um, you know, it's interesting because in the other sports, it was kind of like, like I did basketball, I, I ran, and I played soccer, and, you know, at that point, you know, they're pretty competitive 
female sports at the high school level. So, you know, I think the expectation for me to do well was a lot higher, whereas with wrestling, it was like, I mean, if I lasted two weeks, that would impress people. <laughs> like, no one expected me to do anything with it. So I think in some ways there was more pressure just to be able to suck it up and push through in wrestling, but in others there was less pressure because it's not like anyone expected anything of me. Yeah. Um, just being there was a pretty big deal. And and now all these years later, um, when you sort of reflect back on what you've learned from wrestling, do you feel like there are specific lessons that wrestlers learn from, from your sport that are maybe unique to wrestling versus, you know, soccer or basketball or some of the other sports that you used to participate in? Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, wrestling is just a really personal sport. It's a combat sport, and I think just the nature of it, the nature of the training and, and facing off with one other person, it's like every, it, I mean, some some wrestlers have a lot of talent, and some wrestlers make up for that by their hard work, and I think whatever the case is, it's all exposed when you step on the mat. You really can't cut corners. Like, you you have to do what's, what's asked of you um, to really get to the top, and if you don't, it'll show in competition. At one point or another, it'll come out, and I think, you know, when I played other team sports, I had a team to rely on, and um, and it's a different type of a different type of role that you play in d- team sports, and um, and I think with wrestling, you know, I rely on my coaches a lot, my training partners a lot. But when the whistle blows, it's all me. And I think in life, you know, you you just learn to take responsibility and to own things. And I think it's definitely shaped my character. Like just across the board, I've just learned to really take responsibility for who I am and the decisions I make because it translates directly into my wrestling. So I think it's, it's, those are things that I could have only learned from wrestling um, versus the other sports that I did. Yeah, that's a great answer. Can, can you share with our audience, I think especially the athletes, um, what sort of areas of responsibility do you feel like it's, you know, outside of wrestling where you can think, gosh, I learned this and I'm taking responsibility for this, you know, this part of my life. And you really feel like you learned that through sports. Definitely. Um, Like, you know, everyone's journey is a little bit different. I was pretty independent once I graduated high school. I was living on my own, was paying my own bills. Um, I didn't really have a lot to fall back on. Um, And I didn't, and I think, like, I had just started wrestling as well, so I kind of learned it all at the same time. And I think, you know, now it's like I'm a little bit older and I'm still training and still doing that, but I think... Um, definitely just, you know, the month-to-month responsibilities of an adult. Like, I learned those pretty young, and I, and I think I learned those through athletics. Just, you know, like I said, paying, making sure my bills are paid and making sure that I take care of my just logistical responsibilities, living on my own. Like, sometimes I had roommates, but there, there's just a lot that comes with that, you know, and, and having a job and showing up to work. And I had to have a job. Like, I had to support myself, you know. Um, I had to go out and get a job, and then I had to be able to keep it. And um, and I had to learn how to be disciplined with my finances. And um, so just a lot of things like that, things that we all do at one point or another. I just I had to learn those pretty young. Um, and I think athletics and, like I mentioned, wrestling specifically definitely helped me with that. 
Yeah, I think that's a really powerful point because I think sometimes people don't realize the power of sport to teach those lessons that actually translate off the mat. Um, so that's that's a really wonderful explanation. So so let's go back to that time um, when you uh, moved to Arizona. And if you could sort of just tell us what precipitated your move to Arizona and how you ended up competing at ASU. Well, um, it's funny because when I lived in Oregon, um, I I had a lot of great friends and support in the wrestling community. I wasn't that good of a wrestler, but I I just loved it and I worked hard and and I also did a lot of ministry work while I was there and an opportunity arose for me to move to Arizona and help start a church. And so I didn't know if I was going to keep wrestling and um as a matter of fact, uh one of my really good friends said, you know, if you ever wrestled for ASU, you'd be a world champion. <laughs> just just kind of like a fleeting comment. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll probably never wrestle for ASU, but it's a nice spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I moved to Arizona, it wasn't, I wasn't expecting to continue in this. I, I was going for different reasons, but um, I still loved it. It was a really great hobby for me, and, and I wanted to keep doing it. So I, I, um, I just got connected with um, some people on campus. There was a club. It was an MMA club. MMA is really big in Arizona, and so... That was kind of the next best thing, mm-hmm. um, and I was training one day, and a friend of mine, Tracy Grice, um, saw me rolling around with these retired high school wrestlers, and he was like, you have a lot of talent. You should really consider trying out for the ASU team, hmm. and I thought he was crazy, um, And but, you know, it was an Olympic year, and I thought, well, why not? You know, it took a lot of convincing from Tracy, but... I thought, why not? I mean, the worst that could happen is nothing will change, and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but then I ended up wrestling for them, but I never would have without that push from him. Like, it it just it just would have been too big for me. I probably, I think I, there was probably a lot of fear there. Like, it's one thing to wrestle with high school guys, but to wrestle for ASU, that's just, you know, that's above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, I think had it been a different year, a different scenario maybe I wouldn't have done it but Mm. it was the Olympic year and why not like why not just try this give it all I got and move on with my life yeah so so we sometimes we talk about um responsible coaches really working hard to make every athlete on the team feel welcome and feel valued and I'm really curious I read you know that you're the first um and only woman who'd been on the ASU wrestling team and I'm curious if the coaches did anything specifically to make sure that you fit into the team and um you know made you feel welcome as part of that group being the only woman uh yes and no I think um it's not like anyone did me any favors. Like, mm-hmm. I think the best thing that they could have done is what they did. They just treated me like a wrestler. Mm-hmm. They just, I had to be at practice. I had to do the same workouts as everyone else. I had to do the same lifts. I had to earn my way just like everyone else. Um, and I think if I was going to feel welcome, it was on me. If I was going to, mm-hmm. if people were going to, feel any differently or do any extra for me it was on me mm-hmm. um and and that's just something you have to accept as a female wrestler on a men's team mm-hmm. um and I was okay with that um so I think like you know there was a little bit of media surrounding me being on the team I mean not a lot and definitely not worth what there is now but there was a little bit and and when that happened you know my coaches and teammates 
they were, you know, they said things like they were, you know, like, I work hard, I show up, I do what everyone else is doing. Um, and that was the truth. And, um, and so I don't think that, I don't think anyone did anything differently towards me. And like I've said before to other people, like, some guys probably weren't comfortable with me being there, and some guys didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, at the end of the day, like, I was there, and I did what everyone else did, and, and so we were able to be a team. And that I think that's what I remember most. I, I want to um, transition a little bit and talk about this huge win um, you're coming off of over Helen Maroulis. And I'm hoping you could sort of talk us through what was different, you know, about this most recent match. And what do you think really made it possible for you to prevail this time? Um, well, I think that, you know, going into Olympic trials, there wasn't a lot of momentum on paper. Like I, you know, I had, it just, I took third at nationals. Like I, I had never beat Helen. There was just a lot of, a lot of tournaments I'd fallen short at. I lost first round at world championships. And granted, like after that, I did a lot. I, I changed a lot of things in my training I did a lot of um, a lot of mental work. I worked on a lot of things specifically in my technique, um, and so I was doing the work. Like I was, I was doing, I was everything I could control. I was focusing on, mm-hmm. and then there was a lot of things you can't control, and I just didn't worry about those things. And and I and I just remember a few weeks out from trials, like I started dieting and getting my weight down, and I remember just thinking, you know what, I'm just going to embrace this. I'm not going to put pressure on myself, like, not going to think about the outcome. I don't know if I'm going to make the team. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can do to make it the best experience I can. And and, uh, I just kind of took took ownership of my career at that point and just, I was just like, I'm going to go into trials knowing I did everything I could do on the mat, off the mat, in my life, um, as a person. And, And I remember, like, you know, my weight cut was really good. It was, like, the best it had ever been. Um, and going into trials, like, I, I just felt as prepared as I could be, didn't put pressure on myself, didn't really worry about who I had to wrestle because I had to get through the tournament before I even met up with Helen. And I just didn't really worry about it. I just took it one match at a time. And, and so, you know, when I met up with her in the finals, I was like, okay, so I'm just going to focus on the first period. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that's what it was like. And even after winning the first match, I was like, okay, I got to do it again. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to focus on the first period. And honestly, like, I had just gotten very surrendered about the whole thing. And you have to. I mean, just in my situation, like, I wasn't the favorite. Like, that's just the reality of it. Like, you know, and everybody kind of has a different mindset. But for me, like, I just couldn't squeeze. I couldn't hold on to it so tight. Mm-hmm. I had to let it go and just let what happened happen. Mm-hmm. And so, I, like, whatever happened that day, if I would have taken second or third, I don't know. I'd like to think that I could walk away knowing I did everything I could. Mm-hmm. And that was my mindset. And so, I mean, obviously when I won, I was I was so happy and I just, really let it go and just enjoyed the moment um but I think going into it I just I think what was different is that I was like I was okay with whatever happened because I knew Mm -hmm. that 
there was nothing else I could have done to prepare. I did everything I could, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, and I think that's what was different. That's great. It's it's reminding me of one of my favorite, very elegant um, sports psychology studies that was actually done at the Sydney Olympics by a woman named Joan Duda. And it was really simple. She asked Olympians of all these different sports what their goal was for the Olympics. And about half of them said winning the gold medal. And the other half said they wanted to feel like they gave their personal best at the Olympics. And at the end of the Olympics, she went back to see which of those groups actually won more medals. And, um, you know, to your point, the group who said, I want to feel like I gave my personal best actually won more medals. So it's like when you let go of sort of the ultimate, you know, I'm not going to be happy if I don't leave with the gold, you're actually more likely to come home with the gold. Um, So so what you're saying is certainly backed up um, by research. Yeah. So so I'm um, I'm curious now you're you're living in Colorado Springs and you're at the Olympic Training Center and um, surrounded by a whole bunch of world class athletes. And I'm curious if you could tell our audience a little bit about that experience. And then if there are certain characteristics that you really feel like many of the athletes there um, share in common that's that's led them to be at the pinnacle of their sports. Well, I think being here, um, you're just around it every day, like. Um, I think to, I'm going to answer the second part of your question first. Yep. I think the thing that we all have in common is we made the decision to come here. Um, and that, I mean, I say with absolute clarity because I remember deciding to move here and I remember like it wasn't, it wasn't cause I just wanted to be here and you know, this is what I've always wanted to do. No, I moved here because again it was like I'm going to give it all I have like Mm -hmm. in these next three years because I moved here three years ago I'm like I'm going to give it all that I have and I'm going to put myself in the best position um, to be the best that I could be I was light years away from making an Olympic team but I was like I'm going to be in the best situation I can and I put a lot of things on hold and gave a lot of things up to be here and every person that's here had to do that and some of the sacrifices were bigger and some were smaller for other people but that's what we share is that we made the commitment to be here and not everyone can do that Mm -hmm. um you know there's a lot a lot of other places that i would rather be you know (laughs) but this is where i need to be right now and and we share that in common and, and i respect every athlete here for that and i think you know just day to day you know when i was at asu I would wake up and I had my roommates and, you know, I'd go to school or work and then I'd go to practice and I'd leave Mm -hmm. and I had my life outside of wrestling. But here I wake up and I'm here. I eat breakfast in the cafeteria here. I go to practice, I go to practice five minutes away from where I live. Um, Everything I do is here Mm -hmm. and it's like, it it really becomes your life. And, um, and for me, it was the best thing. And I think like, you know, you see a lot of big names here and and you kind of just get used to it because we're all doing the same things. We're all working towards the same goals and it just becomes normal. And I have great relationships outside of the training center and they're like, wow, you know, like you're just there every day and you saw that person and this person. And it's truly just another day at the office, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we're all just so focused on what we're trying to accomplish that, you know, you just, it, it just becomes your life here and it just becomes normal. This intense atmosphere just becomes normal. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So You're maybe making it sound a little less glamorous than those on the outside think it is to be at the Olympic Training Center. 
Um, I don't so, know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> no, it's it's good. It's it's interesting to hear from someone who's on the inside. So uh, tell us a little bit about Terry Steiner, um, your current U.S. team coach. Yeah, um, Terry is just an amazing person. Like I can't. Ah, man, we don't have enough time today to even talk about all the things that he's done for me as an athlete and as a person. And but what I will say is that he's a pretty big reason why I'm here. You know. Even years ago, before I moved here and before I was ready to move here, he always had a place for me here, and he was really persistent with me, and and he would tell me, there's a place for you here when you're ready. Hmm. And I don't know what he saw, because I look back at some of my matches, and I'm like, I I was not that good. (laughs) Like, what did he see? Um, But that's who he is. He he sees so much of what you're capable of, Mm -hmm. and he sees your your potential so much clearer than I think other people do, and it's incredible and and he he just he lives a really outstanding life like I know his family and so I see him in the wrestling room and I see him outside of the wrestling room and and it's just a person that I want to imitate and learn mm-hmm. from and I'm so mm-hmm. lucky to be able to learn from him and um he's just an awesome person I know like that's not a lot about him as a coach but there's so much more to him than just his coaching um he's just an incredible person and um I just trust everything he says. Like, he's just, not that he's had to, but he's truly proven himself, you know? Like, he's just, he's been through so much with this program, and he's sacrificed so much for these girls, and even the girls before me, and I know that because I know what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he keeps showing up every day, like, <laughs> you know? He keeps coming back for us, and it's just great. Like, I just... I'm so grateful to be able to work with him as an athlete and just to have someone like that to look up to. And and it's just great to be able to say I respect my coach as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this may be a question about Terry's coaching style or maybe just um, you personally as an athlete. But I'm curious, when you are in a match and you feel like you make a mistake or maybe, you know, you actually lose the first match in a best-of-three series. Um, what do you do, or what does Coach Steiner help you do to bounce back from a mistake or a lost first match um, to be able to sort of focus forward and not um, really have that mistake sort of stick with you through the rest of the competition? I mean, it's definitely happened. <laughs> like, um, I don't know, like, Terry's pretty even-keeled. He doesn't... Mm-hmm get worked up a lot um and so I don't know like when it has happened to me like I I mean I can remember times like even when I lost first round at Worlds like I was really disappointed in myself but I was really I really felt like I let my coaches down Terry included Mm. and um and it was just it's just a really painful feeling but he is very much like the sun's gonna come up tomorrow (laughs) you know like his whole thing is, like, he really expects us to go out there and give everything we have. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just don't come out on top when that happens. Sometimes mm. you're just not the better person. Um, but if you're not giving everything you have, that's a different story. And he'll be hard on you. Like, he's from Iowa, you know. Like, right. <laughs> he doesn't take it easy on us, you know. Right. Um, but I think, like, he's just even killed. He, he doesn't let things fluster him. He, he used to compete. He understands those situations and he can really talk you through it, you know, for the 30 seconds that you have in between periods. Um, but I don't know, like, I don't, I think that 
he just, he's very much about staying the course and not letting little mistakes frazzle you. And so, I mean, and it happens in matches sometimes, but like the times that I can think of, he just really focuses on like, let's put that one behind us and move on to the next one, you know? Yep. Um, so I don't, I don't think of any high anxiety times when I think of those situations with Terry Steiner. Like he just, he has a very calm sense about him that just, it's contagious. Yeah, that's great. Um, I want to ask you just a, a sort of a few questions about your family and your parents. And I, I read a quote that said that your mom and your dad and your brother really gave you the freedom to try new things when you were growing up. And I'm, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how that attitude and sort of the freedom to try new things helped get you to where you are today. I mean, like I said, I was pretty independent growing up. Um, and I did a lot of sports. Like, I just kind of tried everything, and I was never discouraged from anything. Um, and I think, you know, on the flip side, there wasn't a lot of pressure. I didn't have a lot of pressure to, like, you have to do this or you have to win this. Um, I think anything I did would have made them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that can be a good thing, or and it can be, like, a harder thing because, a lot of the motivation that I found, I had to really find it from myself. And that's not, I don't say that to be down on my parents, but it was just, that's just where I came from and that's where they came from. Um, they didn't really have the same opportunities that I did. And mm-hmm. so, um, I don't know, I guess so when I say I have a lot of freedom, like they didn't keep me from trying things um, and they didn't pressure me into trying things. And so I just, I learned at a young age, like, to, to try a lot of things while I still could. And mm-hmm. um, so, and I was never just a natural athlete. Like, I wasn't just a good athlete. And so when I would try things, I wasn't always just good at them, like wrestling included. Um, you know, it took a lot of work and a lot of years to get there. But it was, it was cool to have um, family around me that, you know, everything I, just trying out for wrestling, everything I did for it, they were so proud. And I think obviously recently it's been expressed a lot more, but it, they've always been proud of me. Even if I hadn't made the team, I think they would have been just as happy for me. Yep. Yep. Well, I'm sure some of that um, internal motivation has really helped you stick with it over all these years and actually help you get to where you are today. Um, so, so, so let's talk a little bit about where you are today. Um, I, I was reading about the upcoming Olympics, and uh, I think at the 55-kilogram uh, weight class, um, Saori Yoshida from Japan um, has really stood out over, what, the last decade, really, um, winning the gold in 2004 and 2008. And I'm curious if you could just reflect a little bit on her, and what is it about her that you think's made her so successful? Um, I just think she goes out... She does what she's good at. She just competes. Um, I don't think there's, you know, I've wrestled her one time, and it was actually very recently. It was at the World Cup. And, um, you know, I, I think I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to wrestle Yoshida. Uh, like, it was more, I'm just going to compete against her and feel her out and do what I do. And, and to really feel her and get my hands on her, like, there's nothing like supernatural about her. <laughs> um, I think she just goes out and competes. Period. Like, and um, and I think that's what makes her strong. She doesn't question herself. She doesn't 
hesitate on the on the mat. She doesn't second guess herself. She just does what she's good at, and she does it a lot. I think there's probably some natural ability there, but when you start to win a lot, you start figuring out how to win and and how you win. And I think she's figured that out. And I think you know she's been beaten twice, um, and I think it's just because she's human, like we're all capable of winning and losing. And I think that, um, so I don't know, like, I, I just think that she's figured out some things in wrestling that maybe some of us younger athletes haven't. On the other hand, I think that she, she just goes out and does what we're all called to do and that's compete. Um, so I, th- I think that's, that's what sets her apart. She just does what she's good at, you know? Yeah. So, so, um, I realize you may not end up wrestling against Sauri, um, in London. So just tell us a little bit more about what you're looking forward to, um, with your participation in the Olympics. Um, I just think, I mean, it's the Olympics. Like, I think it's very intrinsically like, like we train so hard to make the team and obviously we're training so hard to win medals, but like, it's just, such a huge thing to be able to accomplish and so few people ever do Mm -hmm. um and it's just when i think about it it's so surreal you know like i'm going to be there and i'm going to get to compete and and i'm there with the expectation that i'm going to do something great when i compete you know and i know that not everybody there some people are just going to be happy to be there and i am going to be happy to be there but i expect more from myself than just to step on the mat um, and I'm just excited to be able to shine. I'm excited to be able to compete and shine on the largest stage and to represent the country. Um, and I think that the medal will just be my way of saying thank you. But I'm just excited to be there and to shine and to compete and to win a couple of wrestling matches. Um, and I'm just really honored to have the opportunity. Well, Kelsey, I think um, you'll have a lot of our listeners uh, following you at the games, and I wanted to thank you so much for taking your time out during your busy training schedule um, to chat with me and share all of these ideas and stories with our responsible sports listeners. Um, I really think a number of your insights can help, you know, the the parents and the coaches and the student athletes that are listening. And uh, we're we're all going to be pulling for you um, at the London Games, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much. To learn more about responsible sports, including downloading valuable tools on how you can help youth athletes stay positive in youth sports, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.